Hello there. You are listening to At The Well, the weekly Bible podcast that helps you see yourself in the stories of Scripture. I'm Jarrell. I'm Charles. And I'm Eli. And we are delighted that you're joining us for this week's discussion. Gentlemen, how, how is your week? We've already owned that it's November. We're making it through the year. How, how are you doing as we're, we're rounding out 2020? Good. Life's fine. It's I am, I'm enjoying the transition into the cooler months. Like... Mm. Summer has trailed off quite nicely, which is surprising for Maryland. Really? Yeah, it's been weird. Yeah. So I like this gradual transition, and I love fall. I love fall wear. Fall yeah. weather as well. F- fall weather, it is yes. fall weather. It is true. Um, yeah, things are good. I feel like it's just like routine. Just yeah. go about the crapshoot that is 2020. Yep. You just kind of like continue yep. to move through it, and mm-hmm. it is... Like, I don't see anybody. I see you guys. I see my in-laws. And, and that's about it. That's about it. Yeah. Indeed, indeed. Yeah, I feel like routine, though, in such a crazy year is a very good thing. When you can say, like, <laughs> yeah. it's been a normal week. Y- like, yes. It's yes. actually... That's true. Yeah, it has been. Yeah. Nothing outstanding. Like, that itself is a victory. It's like, yeah, it's, this is this is it. It's a fine week. <laughs> Nothing to report. Good. <laughs> Well, let's get things started with our question of the week segment. If you'd like to submit a question for us to answer during the segment, you can email us at threeguysatthewell at gmail.com. That's the number three. Then guysatthewell, all one word in lowercase, at gmail.com. This week's question comes from our friend Amanda, who asked, she, she asked Eli and, and myself this in person. Um, I, I'm still thinking, to be honest. So <laughs> as, I, as I read it, I'm still processing what my answer is. She said, if you could live basically in someone else's body, like indefinitely, not just for a day, but to walk in their shoes indefinitely, who would it be and why? So, yeah. <laughs> I, I, just, I just finished um, reading Lecrae. Uh, he has two books, Unashamed and I Am Restored. I just finished both of them. Uh, and I am, I'm just really struck by artists in general, like the way, the creativity, like Jarrell, like you have, you have a creative artist's brain and I love it. Oh, thanks man. Um, and it is something that I don't have a gift or talent for. So I think my answer would be like, I think it'd be very interesting. What, how does the question phrase? Just live, I guess, live, live in someone else's body. Live, it, live in an artist's body. <laughs> I like it, their like, mind. Is, or their mind. Like, kind of like the, a life swap, I suppose. Yeah. yeah. Right? I, I would find it very interesting. I don't want to be Lecrae, but I'd be very interested to see, like, how does that mind work? Where, mm. like, he, the way that he experiences um, life and processes things is through, uh, is through the artistic expression of rap. Yeah. And, or music or you know i I think that would be very interesting because i have no concept of (laughs) Mm -hmm. of going through life and experiencing life in in an artistic way Mm. i think that would be very interesting perspective to kind of live in and through Mm. nice i'll say that first and foremost i prefer the story that god is telling through my life so Mm -hmm. i don't really want to switch but um as you were just saying more uh more Patreon ideas, but like as we were saying <laughs> off off recording, um, we were telling a funny story with one another, and I think I would want to be 
a scribe for any like major king in script in Old Testament scripture, so that I could just watch the down just the craziness <laughs> that went on around me, the absolute chaos. That and live to record it. And, and live, thank you. And live to record it. I don't want to like pass off my parchment <laughs> as I'm getting my like run through by a million spears, but <laughs> but but I would love to be like. Somebody who wrote down, who was like called to write down something that persisted in God's word. Mm. Um, that would be cool. That would be fun. Yeah. A lot of stories. A lot of stories. Yeah, I think uh, similar to Charles, I would want to do something and be in the mind of someone who just does things that I don't or can't really. Um, and so, I guess when I think of when I think of that, I think more of like physically, like people who are just crazy athletes and not just because I like sports but like just being able to run or jump as high as people can is it, it in professional sports is insane and like seeing that is like I can't imagine any world in which I could do any of that with my body <laughs> so I would want to but uh, do I want to do this I think I would want to be in the body this would this would backfire immediately <laughs> I'd want to be in the body of a professional wrestler because <laughs> nice, nice. Now it would it would it would backfire at some point because at a certain point you're just your body is nothing because you've been throwing yourself at the ground for a living. But it it encompasses a lot of things that I just really enjoy and being able to not just do the physical things that they do with like the courage that they do it. But also, we talked, it was the last episode of, I just, I'm a sucker for just theatrics and like pageantry. So being able to not just do a wrestling match with the, all these moves that I could not physically do in my frame, but then to just kind of be in front of a crowd in that way and to wear all the awesome like robes and like ring gear, I would love that. <laughs> like, it would be so cool just to kind of live in that moment where you're like telling a story in that way. And all the accoutrement that go with it. So I think I'd want to be a pro wrestler. What would be your wrestling name? Oh, so middle school me <laughs> was really, really nerdy about wrestling. And I, I decided, it's a bad name, <laughs> but I decided my wrestling name would just be Lightning. That's it. Oh, no. It's that. <laughs> I wouldn't stick to it now. Good. <laughs> it's, it's, a, it's a garbage name. Um... So I don't know, probably like a really weird, for, just first and last name. That's mm -hmm. like a normal person isn't named that. <laughs> um, I'd, I'll have to think about yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, But something that's like, you're clearly not a normal human being. And it's like, yeah, I'm this amazing professional wrestler. Put him on the IG story. I should have. <laughs> <laughs> I'm in like a luchador mask. We'll make it a highlight. Yes. <laughs> At us. I'll, I'll wrestle a stuffed animal. In the <laughs> Show my skills. Beat up Jonathan the Unicorn. Beat up Jonathan the Unicorn. <laughs> Who's made it into our IG stories already. Yes, so. yes. Yeah, I will put him on camera. Or the Moonshine, the Stuff Dinosaur. That's still in my classroom. I've been Maybe don't touch him. He's, he's probably very dusty. Yelp. Ooh. Yeah. That, he's got the Rona. I hope. I don't know how he would. <laughs> no one's been in that room for months. Oh, that's a story for a different day. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so let's transition into this week's passage, which is from the book of Judges, chapter 9. This one is cut up quite a bit because it is a, is a very long story. 
Um, so bear with me. It is Judges chapter 9, verses 1 through 6, 22 through 25, 34 through 31, 41, sorry, and 46 through 57. Um, yeah, maybe just go to one of our sites and just re- write these down because that will be hard to remember. <laughs> but if you have your Bibles and you aren't driving, you can start turning there now while I set the scene. It was the Bible's version of the movie 300. Gideon, lowly and uncertain, was used by God to conquer Midian under improbable circumstances. In the immediate aftermath of this victory by an army of 300 fearless men who had a very peculiar way of drinking water, Israel enjoyed 40 years of peace. But what would follow? Enter Abimelech, one of Gideon's sons, one of his 70 sons, it's kind of hard to stand out when you're one of 70. So Abimelech launched a despicable plot to ensure that he would rise to a level of infamy too great to be ignored. Then Abimelech, son of Gideon, went to Shechem, to his mother's brothers, and spoke with them, and with all the family of the house of his mother's father, saying, Please speak in the hearing of all the men of Shechem. Which is better for you, that all 70 of the sons of Gideon reign over you, or that one reign over you. Remember that I am your own flesh and bone. And his mother's brothers spoke all these words concerning him in the hearing of all men of Shechem. And their heart was inclined to follow Abimelech, for they said, He is our brother. So they gave him 70 shekels of silver from the temple of Baal Barith, with which Abimelech, with which Abimelech hired worthless and reckless men. <laughs> and they followed him. Then he went to his father's house at Ophrah, and killed his brothers, the seventy sons of Gideon, on one stone. But Jotham, the youngest son of Gideon, was left, because he hid himself. And all the men of Shechem gathered together, all of Beth Milo, and they went and made Abimelech the king beside the terebinth tree at the pillar that was in Shechem. After Abimelech had reigned over Israel three years, God sent a spirit of ill will between Abimelech and the men of Shechem, and the men of Shechem dealt treacherously with Abimelech, that the crime done to the 70 sons of Gideon might be settled, and their blood be laid on Abimelech, their brother, who killed them, and on the men of Shechem, who aided him in the killing of his brothers. And the men set, and they set men in ambush against him on the tops of mountains, and they robbed all who passed by them along the way. And it was told to Abimelech. So Abimelech and all the people who were with him rose by night, and lay in wait against Shechem in four companies. When Gaul, the son of Ebed, went out and stood in the entrance to the city gate, Abimelech and the people who were with him rose from lying in wait. And when Gaul saw the people, he said to Zebul, Look, people are coming down from the tops of the mountains. But Zebul said to him, You see the shadows of the mountains as if they were men. So Gaul spoke again and said, See, people are coming down from the center of the land, and another company is coming from the diviner's cherubith tree. Then Zebul said to him, Where indeed is your mouth now with which you said, Who is Abimelech, that we should serve him? Are not these the people whom you despise? Go out, if you will, and fight with them now. So Gaul went out, leading the men of Shechem, and fought with Abimelech. And Abimelech chased him, and he fled from him, and many fell wounded to the very entrance of the gate. Then Abimelech dwelt at Aramah, and Zebul drove out Gaul and his brothers, so that they would not dwell in Shechem. 
Now when all the men in the tower of Shechem had heard that, they entered the stronghold of the temple of the god Barith. And it was told Abimelech that all the men of the tower of Shechem were gathered together. And Abimelech went up to, the, to Mount Zalman, and he and all the people who were with him. And he took an axe in his hand and cut down a bow from the trees, and took it and laid it on his shoulder. Then he said to the people who were with him, What have you seen me do? Make haste and do as I have done. So each of the people likewise cut down his bow and followed Abimelech, put them against the stronghold, and set the stronghold on fire above them, so that all the people of the tower of Shechem died, about a thousand men and women. Then Abimelech went to Thebes, and he encamped against Thebes and took it. But there was a strong tower in the city, and all the men and women, all the people of the city, fled there and shut themselves in. Then they went up to the top of the tower. So Abimelech came as far as the tower and fought against it, and he drew near the door of the tower to burn it with fire. But a certain woman dropped an upper millstone on Abimelech's head and crushed his skull. Then he called quickly to the young man, his armor bearer, and said to him, Draw your sword and kill me. Less men say of me, a woman killed him. So his young man thrust him through, and he died. And when the men of Israel saw that Abimelech was dead, they departed every man to his place. Thus God repaid the wickedness of Abimelech, which he had done to his father by killing his 70 brothers and all the evils of men of Shechem. God returned on their own heads, and on them came the curse of Jotham, son of Gideon. My goodness. <laughs> I'm tired of my own voice. I'm sure everyone else is. So, yeah, guys, what in the world was this? This was absolute chaos. And I am so drawn to this this story. This story. Um, honestly, I don't know how this is going to read with a lot of people. I hope you all don't leave. But he reminds me of Cersei from game of thrones (laughs) like okay so the point like our entire season is spiritual leadership right Mm -hmm. and my thought was leadership without dignity or decency which is abimelech's leadership is leadership that is devoid of love and governed by fear Mm. um the entirety of abimelech's uh life as ruling was governed by the fact that there was instability in his kingdom and he was afraid of being dethroned and he and the way he got power was by murdering his siblings who had the right to vie for power in israel at the time and so when something is so unstable when you've like put your foundation on something so unstable it's easy for it to be ripped from under you and this guy uh gall who just randomly settled on shechem like was that very same point like had had abimelech been someone who was about pleasing god um that would have been a foundation of of love of something that something uh, eternal was going to happen that would have been a foundation that would have kept him in power but because he it says no sooner had gideon died than uh the israelites again prostituted themselves to the baals mm. they set up baal Bereth as their god and did not remember the lord their god who had rescued them from the hands of their enemies on every side and so Abimelech was raised in that, was like brought up in this culture of betraying Gideon who loved the Lord mm-hmm. and setting up his ways. And so like even Abimelech wasn't about his own father's business. And it's funny, I wrote in this an, a year ago, betraying God only ever breeds chaos. Gear up. That was the note I left. <laughs> <laughs> that was the note I left next to this <laughs> in my margin. So yeah. 
All right, Ben. It's I like ca- that. Yeah. Gear up. Gear, Gear up. up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think what you said struck it struck me that this whole situation was started because Abimelech wanted power, and the way he was going to get that was to murder his brothers. Mm-hmm. It was it's like what, and and not just like one or two. 70 or 69 yeah. 68 because Jotham escaped um it's just what the other thing I was struck by I don't know if there's anything here uh it's just the idea of unity um which I think is uh really close to God's heart uh is completely shattered here because I I, I really think I, I think I've talked about this before about how um the family is the bedrock of of like continuing the gospel and of love and it's um a personification of 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 or it's the domestic church and abimelech decides he like leaves his nuclear family to go for his uh his mother's family or his his wife's mother i can't remember what it was his mother's brother his mother his yeah something like that like he he leaves the nuclear family his his blood brothers for his in-law mother's brothers mother's brothers okay i i don't know if there's anything there but it's just he he kind of like aligned himself with with them as opposed to his other brothers uh or his his actual brothers and it, 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 that just struck me mm-hmm. yeah there is there there is so much about abimelech here um i <laughs> I forgot that that line was in there about when he becomes king and says he hired worthless and reckless. <laughs> yeah, like he just got a bunch of thugs <laughs> to be his posse, and it's like, why would you? What kind of crowd? Like you're, you got this motley crew of people that you've gathered around yourself, and you think that's going to sustain you? And it's like it's a theme with uh, we spoke in the first episode about the forty two youth, where like. You know, bad decisions and recklessness love company. Yeah. And, like, being aware of the company you keep and, like, instilling that in people. It's going to come up again in our next episode as well. Um, there's so much here. And I, I was trying to think, you know, we do a lot of just conjecture on the show. Of like, well, what, what, do, what is the context of this passage in the small things? Tell me about this person's personality. I love you said, like, uh, wanting power and being kind of governed and driven by fear was something about him. This... So much about Abimelech's story, I think, shows that perception was a huge part of his downfall, specifically how he was perceived. He needed to be seen, and he needed to be seen in the way that he wanted people to, like, see him and respond to him. Um, You know, he kills his 68 other brothers to, like, be the one. Like, he even said, what's better for you to be ruled over by 70 or by one? Like, he needed that. Um, He hired a bunch of yes men to kind of you know probably speak to him things that were true to kind of bolster his own ego of being king um at the end of his life uh he asked for his armor bearer to kill him so that he wouldn't be known as someone who was killed by a woman which is you know the misogynistic cherry on the overall crap sunday that is abimelech (laughs) And just, like, consumed with his perception from the moment he could have uh, attained power to the end of his life. He was constantly just consumed with, like, am I standing out for my brothers? Am I, does everyone like me? 
and hearing that these people in this other town didn't like him, he went out to confront them. And at the end of his life, oh, let me make sure that this thing that I see is as like demeaning isn't said about me, even in my death. And there's something there about like whose opinions matter. There's something there about wanting to be accepted, but looking forward in the wrong ways. Uh, there's something there about, to Charles's point, like finding belonging um, with who you are and being accepted as who you are, not having to put on a front to posture is something that you're not. Um, and yeah, Abimelech is a cautionary tale of how not to do all of these things because <laughs> his obsession with perception just leads him to do all of these horrible things throughout his, his uh, what's d- d- uh, written here. And so it's interesting to me. I, as I was reading this, it surprised me that God took his time. Like you said in the last episode, God is not slow as some understand slowness um, when it comes to fulfilling his promises. Like mm-hmm. you, you referenced this, this like understanding of what it means for God to plan the downfall of a person. So Jotham is the is the only surviving and actually the youngest of the 70 siblings right and he's the one that god work like gives a message to to deliver this prophetic illustration of like the fig tree the vine the thorn bush which is which is what abimelech was symbolizing this thorn bush that burns everything around it and it said after abimelech had governed israel for three years like it was after three years of his very terrifying reign um filled with chaos, filled with instability, that God then took things from under, would like rip the rug out from underneath Abimelech. Mm -hmm. But like, that was, three years is a long time when you're under the thumb of someone who's oppressive. Mm -hmm. Particularly in this context of like, Israel wanted a king, they wanted a good leader, they needed to be led well, wait, why are we here? Yeah. (laughs) And this happens throughout judges, Kings, sec- like first Chronicles, and second kings, yeah. chron- like it's it's so much of their history is looking for someone good to just guide them th- along the way. Um, now, of course, God was like, "Well, I'm here, but okay, I'll I'll, I'll appease you. Can you. Have a king. you can have a king. <laughs> See how that turns out. <laughs> um, not well, not well. Um, but like the amount of faith that the people needed to, like work their way through a bad a time of bad spiritual leadership mm. is also something that's really critical in here and and that's not like a lot of times we flip through pages and read passages where things are not always explained but enduring and persevering is something that god causes people to do even under like the authority of somebody who's not good mm-hmm. um and that was <clears throat> impressed upon me when like it just says in one sentence three years yikes three years mm. Yeah, there's definitely a message of of hope there. Like as, you know, we kind of shift back and forth from perspective in this season of like as people who are entrusted as shepherds and as people who are being shepherded by by Jesus. And I think as the sheep for for lack of a better term, it's like yeah, there's a a hope to that passage of knowing that God is not slow concerning his promises and there is a way to be ultimately under God's authority, even in perilous times. It doesn't necessarily mean just going along with it and like calling it for what it is, calling evil for evil, but also trusting in who God is and trusting that in his plottings of bringing about the downfall, in this case, like wicked kings, or just bringing about justice in the world, he's forming the ability to bring that about in his church through the seasons where we feel like we're in the valley. 
and when we feel like we can see uh, evil around us. Like, it's in those moments that he forges the character to bring about his justice, to bring about his mercy. Mm. And as people being shepherded, we should yield to that and learn the discipline of yielding to the Lord in hope in those moments. I have a minor point, maybe pivoting us um, about well to family um and something i pulled from it going back to my earlier point um i was just struck by well the fact that abimelech turns from his own family to a substitute family shall we say Mm -hmm. and he aligns himself with them and they align himself with him but then that turns against him and they eventually turn on him um and 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 then it leads to the situation that we read um and i was just i was thinking that like this could be a cautionary tale about the importance of family mm. um, and the importance of <laughs> working on uh, family dynamics and relationships because obviously there was something missing between him mm-hmm. like, and his brothers. Granted, hard to keep up relationships with 69 other people. <laughs> also, um, just, just, just as a side, I was, when we talk about Gideon in the Bible, it's, you know, it's Gideon's army. It's right. a 300 people. And so, it was it was so weird reading this because I didn't realize that he that uh, Abimelech was Gideon's son and it was like, but one of seventy and it was like of all the things that I associate with Abimelech, didn't think that was one of them. It's like defeated Midian, defeated Midian with a band of three hundred men, got around. Like didn't expect that to be a thing. Got around. I was like, okay, that's all right. That's new context for Gideon that. Anyway, that just was some... easily gloss over and not right. realize, especially <laughs> especially for clarification to some readers. For example, in my Bible, Gideon is referred to as Jerubal Jer- or Jerubal yeah. or Jerubal, yeah, yeah, whatever. So, um, in case your Bible has something different, he is in mine as well, but it kept going back and forth, so I just yeah. picked one. And Gideon <laughs> and Jerubal or Jerubal yeah. are the same, same person, same judge of Israel. Yeah, um, but it, it, so like that's hard. Like, can't really keep up. The, the strength of, uh, of family with, with that many people. But uh, p- putting in the context of, of today and even my experience, which I realize is different from your guys' experience growing up, but like there's an importance of, of the nuclear family and, and, and tying and ensuring that those relationships are, are, are good, are set, um, that they're that brothers and sisters love each other, um, have a care and respect and concern for one another, so that hatred and enmity doesn't come in and cause the kind of chaos that came out of the enmity and 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 strife and uh, and selfishness that we read um, in this story. Um, so I was I was kind of reminded of my experience growing up and how tight I am with my my siblings and my parents, and saying like. Uh, that wasn't um, that wasn't something that just happened. My parents really focused on making sure that we uh, respected and loved each other, um, and and that was an intentional effort. And like, there's an importance there uh, as Christians. Um, and and I was called on like, okay, you know, I want that. I want that for Josiah, and I want that for Aaliyah and the other kids that we the Lord may may bless us with. Um, because I don't, not that something like this might happen, but I don't want like something like this to happen between my children, where they're like fighting over my will or, or whatever, whatever the similarity <laughs> might be in the modern context. But growing weary of her 
th- two to three other siblings. Aaliyah <laughs> rose to prominence. <laughs> That's great. That's great, little Aaliyah. Um, <laughs> I just like. I also found it super annoying that t- talking on like the. Just have one wife. Stop! <laughs> stop it! I'm. It's so aggravating. And I can't, and obviously I can't imagine what it's like for, for a woman, quite frankly, yeah. who's trying to read through these things and constantly dealing with, like, well, okay, once again, a man has, okay, that's one woman, two women, and none of them are named, great. Um, but just, like, how draining it is to read, like, Abimelech, the son of Gideon's female slave. Yeah. So it's also, like, these issues of, the women that are that are mothering these children aren't even thought of as peers mm-hmm. to the men that are having that are <clears throat> conceiving with them, mm-hmm. um, and just like to I forget which one of you was making this point earlier. Maybe it's you, Jarrell. But like the notion of standing out amongst the siblings. Mm-hmm. So it's not even like it's not just that he he felt like he was competing with sixty nine other people. It is also that his mother was a slave. Mm-hmm. Like mm-hmm. that's not a small thing to want kingship. Ha- like have a father who enables you to get there, mm-hmm. but also have a parent who was a second class citizen mm-hmm. and deal with whatever I like I have no clue the historical context of like how yeah. his life was affected. But there's also like, oh, I have the means to get somewhere, but it's going to ca- take me scratching out the eyes of a few other people. And I'm willing to get there by doing uh, unjust things. Yeah. Um, and so like, I just I also kind of feel for Abimelech in, ha- in what his circumstances were, but also don't get don't approve of and don't give him any room mm. to, be, to like accept his behavior. Yeah. But I do feel for I do feel for him. Yeah, and I think, like, to kind of marry both of those points, it's like, yeah, he obviously was a crap Sunday Yum. with a misogynistic cherry. <laughs> yeah. Um, but we're going to put that on a t-shirt. We are. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but going back to, like, the point I made earlier about, earlier about perception, like, you know, kids want to be seen. People want to be seen. And... You know, if, you, if you've ever worked with, especially younger kids, if a kid isn't getting attention for just, just existing, they'll get it in any way that they can. And sometimes that means acting out. Sometimes that means starting fights. It's like, sometimes it means conflict because it'll get someone to turn and like look at them. And so again, we're speculating massively on the psyche of Abimelech here, but being one of 70, having such clear issues of perception and being ruled so much by fear of like holding on to this thing that he had um i think speaks to you know as shepherds of various flocks to model god's ability to see us exactly where we are and in the midst of the crowd to be able to pick us out of that and say i see you i love you i see you exactly where you are and i love you exactly where you are because when that doesn't happen, that does lead to resentment. That does lead to, I'm going to get it any, any way that I can. And yeah, if for Abimelech, I see a kid who just wasn't seen. Doesn't excuse the things that he did, but it shows that he was neglected and was overlooked and just wanted to be noticed for something, no matter what it was. Um, and so to, your, to connect it to your point, Charles, about family, I think that there's such a powerful word in there for parents, of, of which I am not, 
uh, and I am an only child. Eli, you are an only child. Like Charles, you come from one of four, so you can speak to this um, even more. And I'm so glad that you did of like, as parents, not just not playing favorites, um, but being very sensitive to where your kids are and seeing them for where they are, even if it's where, not where you would want them to be. Um, and meeting them there and sitting with them there and like continuing to love and raise and support them there, even as you turn them away from some of their more negative inclinations. Um, and then yeah, fostering unity among siblings. Like I, I don't have siblings, but for people that I know who have good relationships with their siblings, like that's hard one. Like that's not an insincere unity where it's like, oh, just make up. It's like, like we, we uh, know a family, the Harveys, who have two kids, and they uh, they're telling us a story once about how they would make their kids when they said mean things to one another or hurt one another, like write letters to their siblings, like explaining like why what they did was hurtful and apologizing for it. And it was they hate obviously they hated it at the time, but it like they're they have such a good relationship amazing now, relationship. Yeah. like as we can all attest, like yeah. they are amazing to one another and look out for one and respect one another so much yep. as college students and it's because their parents took the time to foster genuine unity when they were kids like you get so well get along so well with maria and james and elizabeth because your parents like fought for that when you were kids and yeah, there's something in there as shepherds of the flock, like genuine unity is hard and it comes at a cost and it's not just sweeping uh, infractions under the rug, it's addressing them. It's learning how to disagree. It's learning how to say that hurt me. It's learning how to say I'm sorry. And I think that that is something that we need to model, but we also need to keep our standards for that kind of unity sky high because that is what God calls us to and that's the kind of unity that brings about not just avoiding killing your siblings on one stone, but brings about the kind of work that raises missionaries and disciples of Jesus Christ that can encounter the world through those skills. And yeah, it's crazy hard, I'd imagine, but it, it's so worth it. And we've been lucky enough to see the fruits of it through some very amazing families. Yeah, and just as you were talking, I was struck by it is crazy hard. And I think... Um, as I thought about my parents and my siblings and myself, um, to your point, Jarell, of um, uh, kids want attention um, and and finding ways to get that attention. But it's so hard because uh, we're individuals and mm -hmm. individuals crave attention in different ways. And we have personalities and how that plays out is different. And I look at if you look at my siblings, we are very, very different. Mm -hmm. um, and just thinking about how my, our, my parents raised us, I'm sure they had a very tough time navigating how do I care and love and show appreciation and like focus on each one of these kids who are very different. Yeah. And I think it's a learning curve and a learning process that probably takes a very long time. <laughs> and a lot of mistakes. <laughs> and a lot of mistakes, but they, they spent themselves um, and I think that's what we're called to do as shepherds is to spend yourself and in, in identifying like this kid wants to be loved and needs to be loved and focused on how do I best serve this person and their and, and their needs because it's not going to be like my other kid and it's not going to be like the other student and it's not going to be like the other person in the youth group um, mm -hmm. it's going how can I spend myself um, in this way and knowing that like it there is a cost 
Josiah is going to be different than Aaliyah. And it's going to take some, some energy and some effort to learn how do I love and focus on each one separately. Um, uh, look, forget the fact that one's going to be a boy and one's going to be a girl. That in itself has mm -hmm. differences, but they're going to have personalities and uniqueness and how can how do they feel loved and how can I expend myself for them? Um, is It's going to take some work, um, yeah. but I think it's worth it because unity is so important. Yeah, the call to unity and the call to love as disciples of Jesus Christ is is worth that. And yeah, whatever, as we close, if uh, for our listeners, whatever spheres you find yourself in, whatever people you find in your life who need to be loved and need to be seen, um, yeah, lean into that. Lean into spending yourself, as you said, Charles, for the good of genuine unity and for meeting people where they are in the same way that Jesus meets us where we are every single day. Well, that's it for this week. Thank you so much for listening. You can check us out at atthewell.podbean.com. We upload new episodes every Monday on Podbean, iTunes, Spotify, and Google Podcasts. You can also connect with us on Twitter and Instagram by searching Three Guys at the Well, and head over to our Facebook page to keep the conversation going in a space reserved for further discussion of the topics we cover in each week's episode. We'll talk to you next week here at the Well.